You're listening to Company of One, episode 109. Welcome to the Company of One podcast featuring Dale Callahan. Dedicated to helping you find freedom in life and with your career. Learn how to not only increase your income, but take control of the income you acquire. Let's ignite that inner entrepreneur in you. Now, welcoming your host, Dale Callahan. Hey, this is episode 109. It's been a while since I did an episode. I've gotten involved in several things, mostly creating products and services as well as many other kind of activities. But this one, um, I've made some shifts and several of you have been asking me about what I'm doing. Uh, And that shift is focusing more heavily on helping the entrepreneur, helping the people get started. That seems to be where I am being driven by the market, and it's kind of the fun thing to, to do. Uh, and many of you are in the process of, of starting companies or doing things and, and trying to get clarity on what to focus on. Where do I focus my energy and time? That's it for me, is, is really focusing on entrepreneurship. So I want to bring you, and this was a, a uh, Deborah Mastic and I did a talk, an interview a little while ago, and this is just wanted to bring you the replay of that. Uh, so this is an interview where I, I kind of was going through the steps and she was back feeling about how each step worked for, for her. So in this is the exact steps that I use and I teach in my Building Your Own Business course. This is the exact steps, just as it plays out, of getting your business started up and running into a functional business that looks like what everybody would think about as a business. Uh, So it's starting from kind of nothing. I have no idea what to do. I don't know where to go. Uh, And I even have just an hour or so a day to do it because I'm full-time employed. So this is an interview with Deborah Mastic because not only uh, can she kind of backfill of what I'm saying and give you some stories, but she went from uh, day job to dream job in just a few short months. And uh, as she told me the other day, I will never look back. So here it is with Deborah Mastic. Well, without further ado, I want to uh, just tell you a little about what we're doing. Uh, I am Dale Callahan, and I am here to try to help you find business startups. And that's what I spent a lot of time doing. I know a lot of you. Uh, that have signed up today, but I spent a lot of time helping people start businesses. Uh, I've been doing businesses. I was doing something the other day. Ever since before I was in college, I've been involved in businesses. As a matter of fact, I was realizing when I became dumb, uh, and I'm not, this is not a criticism of, uh, of academia, but I had started businesses and we were doing everything from I had lawn care business before I could drive. I had a, uh, which was successful. I actually hired a guy that could drive, so I would have a driver. Uh, I had a, I had, we had a video game business, and not the kind of video games we play today, those big giant machines in an arcade. We were, we were doing that. We were profitable. We, we started an import business from Brazil. Oddly enough, that was my first experience with dealing with Congress in the sense that uh, things that Congress does does impact the business because they created a cotton import restriction from Brazil. Yeah, 
wise choice on my part. And uh, so that business was a flop. Thank you, Congress, and uh, a couple of special senators there that did that. Um, and uh, so there was there was all these business ventures that we kept doing that that were successful. They made money. We'd sell them off. And then I got an MBA and got really, really smart uh, or really dumb because the next businesses I started, I was writing business plans. I did all the stuff the way you're supposed to do it. I wrote business plans. I spent, and they were beautiful. They were awesome business. And I'm a terrible writer, but they were awesome business plans. And I really thought through it. I had the pro formas and all those big giant words. And, and uh, I had all the business license. I had filed. I had attorneys. I had all that kind of stuff. And they made zero money. So when I looked at the end of it, I was losing money. And then as I went back, I kind of got wise again as I, I did that two or three times, by the way, they, they all kind of flopped. I followed all the rules. And that's, kind of, that's really one of the messages I want to mention today is that the typical rules for starting a business don't work because they're not real. That's what people write down. And if you're following all the stuff that they teach you about business plans and all, that's just not really how things are done. Even venture capital based businesses, that's just not the way we play the game. Uh, so Deborah is a perfect example of doing this. She's, she's, she's uh, hot in the middle of not only growing a company, but in uh, doing some, uh, you know, doing things and, and exploring constantly. So as we walk through them, I want to um, kind of get her perspective and get her take. But before we do, I just want to introduce you to Deborah Mastic. Deborah, hello. Hi. Hi. So tell it. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing before we jump in, so they give them a little context. Okay. So, okay, so earlier this earlier, year, I opened I my own business, and in January. And by March, I was able to quit my full-time job and work on the business full-time. Um, since then, and, and, and I'll just tell you about my business. So I opened Virtual Resume Coach. And the core of my business is resume writing services, uh, LinkedIn services, um, do-it-yourself options, and, and career coaching. So since opening my business uh, about six months ago, I've been featured on Job Search Radio. I've landed a huge contract worth $136,000. I had my biggest sales day, which was $1,200 in one day. And I haven't done any marketing to generate business because I've had so much business come in. That's awesome. I can't imagine anybody wanting to, I mean, your, your story, I love it every time you say it, Deborah, because it's uh, number one, it's real, and we'll talk about the reality of doing it. But um, she was just telling me before we got on here that she's been busy today creating new stuff in her course. I mean, new stuff for her uh, for her business. We, uh, so um, I guess you're. So have you finished learning yet, Deborah? Are you there? You've done it all. <laughs> no, it, it's funny when I when I, I was so hesitant to open a resume writing business because I thought there can't be that much money in writing resumes. I, you know, there were already so many established companies and, you know, I did it because I had your help with the, with the course, but I'm seeing so many opportunities now that the other resume writing companies aren't doing. And there's just so much potential. I'm not just writing resumes anymore. I love that point because uh, you're not writing, just doing one thing anymore. So let, let me walk you through some steps here 
And and um, Deborah and I have kind of talked back and forth because you know I would like to say this is there's a perfect model. As a matter of fact, Deborah and I before we got on here talking about this, we were you know I said here's what I'm gonna go over, and she said, well that's not what you told me the first time. Uh, because this, you know, we, we all like to think there's a nice, perfect linear process that we do step one, step two, step three, and there, there kind of is, but I mean, there's certainly a backwards process that I just described to you of, we do all the things in the wrong direction and the wrong direction is you build, you, you build structure around your business. Then, you know, you get LLCs and corporation, do all that kind of stuff, spend money with lawyers and accountants. And then you, uh, then you build, go build products and services, and then after that you find customers. That's typically the way. I mean, that's a cheap, you know, short outline of what happens. And it, it's, a, it's just it doesn't really work that way. So the, the the and I've been doing business startups since you know I was I guess thirteen or fourteen, but I've been working with people for the last fifteen years intensely helping them start businesses, everything from venture capital startups, uh, technology startups to a lot of solopreneurs, which is the term you hear a lot for, you know, people, people like Deborah, that's, you know, she's just doing it herself. And the truth about solopreneurs is they were a solopreneur yesterday and now they tend to be a business because they tend to grow. Um, but so the, the first thing, if we just could say the first step that you need to take to do this is to really, find that thing that you're passionate about. And, and I almost, for a while, I was almost kind of embarrassed to say those words because everybody says, you know, find your passion and stuff like that. And, and I'm a logical guy. And, that, and I'm like, that doesn't make sense to me uh, because I'm looking for logic and passion is all this, uh, you know, mushy feeling type stuff. Uh, but, you know, the, the reality is what we're looking for in, in a marketplace is three things. And, and, and what I mean is what you are looking for when you buy products and services from somebody. You're looking for somebody who's competent. You're looking for something you actually need. I mean, so I want competent. I want somebody who really knows what they're doing. I'm looking for somebody uh, that's actually feeling a need I care about. You know, if you're selling me something I, I don't care about, you know, if you're, you're, you're coming to mow my yard and I have an apartment, I don't care. But I'm also looking for passion. And so are you. You think about the kind of businesses that you want to deal with. We all really want passionate service providers. We want, I want my doctor to be passionate about doctoring. That one should be a no-brainer. I, I don't want the guy who, or the gal who just wants to get on the golf course or go play. I want somebody who's really into it. I want somebody who paints my house or does my plumbing or does my yard to be passionate and really knowledgeable about those things. Uh, you know, because I don't want the person spraying chemicals on my yard. Somebody was just telling me the other day, if you got certain kinds of grasses and you put, put the wrong kind of chemicals on that are good for one kind of grass, centipede and zoysia and all these kinds of grasses that I really don't much, know much about. Uh, but I can press, impress you with my terminology. But if you spray one with the wrong chemical, you'll kill the other grass because the grass is, I don't know. But so you want the person to know what they're doing. You want them to be passionate to care about that. And the person who told me that was somebody who actually knows about, cares about grass and stuff like that. So these, these three things, your passionate, your skills, and the marketplace demand are absolutely critical. Think about your job. You know, you've got to have all of those things, except the stats show that most people in the United States do not have any passion for their job. As a matter of fact, 
60 to 80%, depending on whose survey you believe, 60 to 80% of Americans hate the work they're doing. And for a long time, I've been running around talking about that, finding your passion in the workplace. And it's it can be kind of hard because the workplace is about the company and the things they need and not so much about your passion. Um, so when we're starting a business, the closest thing to do is to find the passion because you can make a way you can make your passion and the things that you're good at and the th things that you that you enjoy fit into a market and you can fit into your skill set but it's really hard to have something and, and many of you are this way you have something you're good at but you're not passionate about and you try to fake passion and it just doesn't really work so the in the finding a business, we usually go through an exercise. I mean, when I'm working with people, I go through a calling exercise. It's just, what do these things look like? What are, sometimes your passions, it's not that I love um, mowing lawns, maybe. Maybe I don't really mow, like mowing lawns. Maybe I like messing around with equipment. And the lawn, mowing the lawns is part of that. So sometimes it's not a direct one-to-one -one relationship as we find the things that we really love to do. But finding those things that you love to do that, that you're good at is harder than it sounds because you are tend to be blind. You, me, all of us tend to be blinded. The things are so close to us, we can't see them. It's the, I can't see the forest for the trees idea that I just don't understand what I'm really good at uh, because I take it for granted that it's not really a skill. I take it for granted that everybody knows how to do it because I know how to do it. Everybody knows how to do it. And probably the people I hang around do know how to do it. So uh, some of the clues that we look for, what do people ask for your help with? Uh, what are things that you tend to read and enjoy reading? What are things that you like to play games with in terms of explore? You know, and and so it's just it's 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 not this perfect process, but it's the exploring ideas of capturing things that you find. So um, I'm so I'm for lack of a better word, I'm gonna say finding it is a finding a business fit for you, which which comes down to a, a mix of skills and passions and and just things where you can serve people. So with that said, um, Deborah Deborah's gone through this course with uh, with us, and she went through this, and um, and I kind of want to get your take as we went through that with you, Deborah. Answer answer. Give me the reality dose from how how does it look from a person sitting on that side doing that? Yeah. So what, what you described exactly happened to me. Um, oh, I'm still getting your feedback. Okay, sorry. I get distracted very easily. <laughs> uh, so I was saying, what you just described happened to me. Um, I I was blinded. I Something I had always been good at is writing resumes. And I found it out, or I figured it out because I was really good with my resume. I would apply for a job and I would get a call back right away, and I would apply for out-of-state jobs, and, and the same thing would happen. And I thought, oh, this is just normal, but I found out from my friends that that, that isn't normal. They would apply for a ton of jobs and get no callbacks. So people were always asking me for my help with their resumes, and I didn't equate the word passion with that initially because I thought passion meant fun, 
you know, something that was fun to do all the time. And, you know, I'm very good at writing resumes. It's, it's pretty easy for me, but I wouldn't say it's fun to just sit there and write resumes. So two years before I opened Virtual Resume Coach, uh, so many people were asking me for my help that I decided just to write a book. Okay, I'm gonna like I'm gonna put all my resume secrets and methods in this book, and I'm just gonna be like, here's the book, help yourself. So I did that, and the book um, was a bestseller and did really well, and it's still doing really well. But it still didn't hit me that I should maybe do a resume writing company. <laughs> So, so that's and one thing that you said to me that I never realized is uh, you were talking about exploring and playing with resumes and reading all these resume books. And I don't know if I'm out of line here of where you were. Were you doing that before as you were just becoming a better resume writer, or is that after you started the company? So I was doing that before. Um, and this is what happened. I was teaching an informal resume writing workshop, and one of the participants came up to me and she said, I've never heard this, this resume philosophy anywhere else. You should write a book on this. And <laughs> I'm like, are you serious? This is just, this is common. This is common sense. I can't believe you wouldn't find that anywhere else. So that really got me reading all these other books to see um, if what I was teaching about resumes was out there and I couldn't find it anywhere else. So I, I was surprised. Pretty neat because um, I mean your your clue into somebody mentioning something you should write books about and, and we all hear that, right? We hear stuff like that some sometimes. Um, but but we we the thing that you just said is it's fairly common sense. Everybody knows this. Right, and you really thought that, and and I know you believe you probably really believe that because you were telling me the last time is that uh, everybody knows how to write a re and it took you some investigating to realize that well, no, not really. That's far from the truth. Um, and, and that, I, but I find so often that that's what's happening. We're so close to our expertise, we're just totally blinded. And and I say that as somebody who. I have struggled with this very same thing. Um, my wife and I had had many conversations about starting businesses, and I and I was having I was saying exactly the same thing. I was like, I don't really know what I can do to help people. I mean, I just feel incompetent, you know, all the time. I just run around. <laughs> um, somebody asked me the other day, "Do you feel like a, a success?" And I'm like, "No, not absolutely not." I happen to know most people don't. Uh, especially most what I consider successful business people don't and so I guess I'm in great company it doesn't feel that great but I didn't feel like I knew what to do and my wife just looks at me and she says well you got all these people constantly going to lunch with you taking you to lunch constantly asking you how do you start a business how do I get started what do I do how do I how does this look there I mean and it was it was to the point of insanity that I felt like I was in constant overload and people constantly uh, tugging on me demand. I became a hermit. Uh, it, it was, it was so crazy that, but I, but I still didn't think I had any value that I didn't have anything. I didn't have anything I could do because I thought what I was telling all these people was obvious and it, it is to me, 
and uh, and I'm sure resume stuff is obvious to you, Deborah. But uh, yes, um, but but it's not. <laughs> have you have you do you are you do you are you still shocked about that as you work with people day to day now? The the more I do this, so after I immersed myself into running the resume business full time, my knowledge and expertise just skyrocketed. So what I knew before was good, but, but working with so many different clients and experiencing so many different situations, my problem solving skills with uh, writing resumes has just increased a lot. So uh, that's what I'm most amazed about right now. I'm, and it's funny because, you know, I had people asking me and saying, oh, I'll buy you lunch. Will you help me with your resume? And I just, I'm like, okay, I'll just do a waiting list. I'll put you on the list. And when I have time, I'll help you with your resume. And I've always had a waiting list and it never dawned on me. Why don't you start charging people <laughs> doing this as a business? I was muted. Am I, am I getting rid of your background noise? I'm muting myself. Yeah. Okay, good. Oh, good. now I don't hear it anymore. Oh, never mind. <laughs> So yeah, I think I think some of it's I've done an office rearrangement, so I'm, I've uh, ca I've caused myself grief here. So, um, so 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 that's to me that's kind of the first key, and I find so many people going out there starting businesses because they hear this is a good business good business idea. I hear this is a good time to get involved in X and Y and Z, and that all may be true, but if you get involved in a business just because you're chasing the money, um, number one you're probably chasing a lie because you just heard some other people's talk and you're, you're, you know, and number two, you're just never going to be very good at it. You're, if you're, if you don't really love something about what you're doing, uh, whether the people you're serving are, um, and, and the kind of things you do, then it ain't going to work. I, I don't care. You can fake it for a long time, but you, the money is really not going to be there and it's just not going to work. And, and so, but I'm going to kind of push that into the second thing is, is kind of want you to figure out what it is. And, and for me and a lot of people, it's kind of mushy still. You know, this is what I, I think I know what this is. I, I got a pretty good feeling about what this is, but I don't know, no. Uh, what I want, what, what I'm, I've started in the, you know, in the last couple of years, pushing people to find their ideal customer. And by that, I mean, why spend our time working with people we can't stand? I mean, I don't know a better way to put it than that. You know, there's some people we like serving, uh, and, and we could describe them by zip code, by age group, by education. I mean, there's who cares how you describe them, but who are those people that you number one relate to the best? Number two, you feel like you uh, uh, you can serve the best because you relate to them. And uh, like for me, little children. There in no way. I mean, if you put me in a schoolroom situation with kids, yeah, I, I, I would be lousy. Uh, I mean, it just it doesn't work. And, and but but what you know, finding that ideal customer is the key. And then that's one of the greatest things about having your own business is you get to define who you work for. It's not I got to go put up with a boss that's a jerk because when you have a customer, that's your boss. They're the people you're serving. And so, you know, you want to be able to say, no, I don't want to put up with you or that's not my key demographic. And if you look at any company, I mean, any company, 
they have what we consider a key demographic. Sometimes you hear it called an avatar. And, and I don't mean we go off and we do this immediately, but we kind of have it in our mind and we develop it. Uh, and I, I mean, I always love to use the Chick-fil-A. Many of you are familiar with the Chick-fil-A company. Um, their customer avatar, I'm not in it. Uh, it you know, their their avatar, their their defined customer that they find that they really target all their marketing, all their energy on is women somewhere between 19 and 35 years age. They're active, they're high moral values, they're kind of upper middle income. You know, they have this very tight description of who they want to work with. Now, by the nature of that, they're bringing in the kids and the husbands and, and everybody else in the world. But that's who they really, really are, are you know, specialized in working with. Um, but other people I know just won't work with anybody that's not in their target market. Um, you know, I know a company that's in New York City that defined itself to work with black men, divorced uh, somewhere in the over 50, making over $250,000 a year. I mean, they had a really tight niche and they just won't work. If you're, if you don't fit that niche, they won't work for, they're not mean to you, but they're just like, you're not our target. Go over and get service from X, Y, and Z. Uh, because that, that's who they, that's, you know, I don't know what the reason is. That's just their niche that, that they, that they focus on. Um, so what, I mean, finding that and kind of, you know, who, who is that person you want to work with? So I, I just kind of want to ask, did you do that, Deborah? I mean, what, what did that look like to you? So when I took the course, that was the step I kind of fumbled with. And because I didn't realize why it was so important with resumes, there's so many customer groups, right? There's, uh, recent graduates, there's um, military people transitioning to civilian jobs, there's people working in corporate America. Um, but now that I've had my business open for a while, I understand why that step is so important. And it's, it's because I've had a couple of clients that have really made me not like having the job. And how that happens is, they come to me for resume help because something's not working with their resume, but they don't want any changes made to it. So when they won't let me change anything, that makes it very hard for me to help them and they just spent all that money for my services. So it has become crystal clear to me six months down the road that um, my ideal customer is someone who wants to work with me, someone who trusts me, understands my methodology, um, and, and basically someone who who wants my help. And what makes my day now is when I get a customer who said, oh, I went through all your samples on your website and I read your articles and I read your blog and I'm so excited to work with you. Uh, so, so recently I've been turning away, last month I turned away over $1,500 in business, three $500 orders because it was customers that I just got a sense that they didn't want to make any changes with their resume. They wanted a very old school resume. The way that you say that you discovered it, I mean, or you're discovering it uh, because again, it's just not a, it's not a linear process. Uh, you know, I've got several people that are, that are uh, in our coaching program now that have businesses uh, that are active in businesses. Some of them have been you know, pretty successful, but it's a, 
they're always circling back through these same things. Where are we passionate? Where are, we, where are our customers? Where's they, and they get they get tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter in their niche. And it's just a it's a sense of discovery of of you know what to do. But just thinking through you know who do you want to work with is is such a you know sometimes it's easy if I'm mowing yards I got zip codes. But still there's certain neighborhoods I just don't want to go into. Uh, you know, maybe they're snobs or maybe I'm going to get shot at or, you know, you know, where is it? Where is it? Where is this? Where is that niche? Uh, but there's always that niche and, and you're looking at things, uh, you know, where, who do you feel most comfortable with? Um, so, and then, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just kind of dive into number three here um, because I think it's probably one of the most fun things to me uh, is just, for lack of a better word, just learning and growing. You know, it's it's product testing, putting things out there to the market, and this is where we tend to get kind of timid. You know, we're especially early on, we're re really really timid about putting things on the market because we all tend to have this perfectionist mentality, um, and we all tend to feel like we just don't know enough. And and, and wow, you know, hey, Deborah's got a great resume business. Uh, Wow, I'm not as good as her, you know. And, and if you're on this call today, or if you're listening to this today, and you're thinking I'm gonna write a resume, start a resume company, and you go over to Deborah's site, and you're like, okay, never mind, I can't compete with that. What she's doing, and and, and there's a few hundred others uh, that that are like that, or, or not like that, but that that are in this space. There's probably thousands of others, I'm guessing, but you. You have something that's unique about you in a market space, and I always, I always love to use the example of real estate agents. You know, everybody and their brother and sister-in-law is a real estate agent. So if you go out and if you tell somebody, a friend of yours, that you want to sell your house, boom, you've got seven cards immediately before you know what to do. Now it doesn't mean they're any good, but it just does mean that there's everybody in the market. So the thought of entering the real estate market is um, kind of crazy, except that. Somebody will, because you think there's no money to be made, but somebody will enter it tomorrow and make a million dollars this year because, again, the passion and the connection and doing the right things. But the product testing, uh, so, so I went off on a tangent, I'm sorry, but the product testing is, is the key. It's just throwing ideas out there, you know, half, you know, um, and, and this is a struggle for me. I want to have things perfectly put in a box, shrink wrapped, everything perfect before I put it on the market. And uh, you know, it just doesn't work that way. And it doesn't work that way for the large companies either. They they test things, they put things in the market, they they explore ideas. I mean, if you think about Microsoft is the classic. Everybody that gets a Microsoft product says it's full of bugs, it's terrible. Every time we get it, well, yeah, it is. But they've actually had it on the market before you probably had it with beta testers and stuff. They put it out there and they got rid of a lot of the bugs, even though it may still be buggy. But they're not trying to make it perfect, but they're that they punch things out there and see what sees uh, they try to see what happens. Because the magic comes when you start putting products on the market and customers start talking to you. It's really easy to have a conversation with some guy in the grocery store, some gal in the grocery store, and say, "I'm doing, you know, I'm doing lawn care services," and they say, "Oh yeah, I could use that." That's an easy conversation. Yeah, I would love to buy from you. It becomes a different conversation when they take out their wallet, and that conversation when they take out their wallet now 
you and them are connected at some other level. And it's, it's a deep connection because you're now partners in something you've provided, you've, you've exchanged uh, finances, goods and services for money. And now the feedback you get from these customers is going to be real. And you will start to learn what you thought they wanted oftentimes is not what they really wanted. Sometimes I think they want their grass perfectly manicured and edged and all. And as I get into the business closer, I realize they just want shorter grass. You know, and it's not all this perfect stuff. It's just shorter grass at a good price. And, and, and it's different customers want different things and you start learning it. It's, you think it's a customer by zip code and you realize it's not. It's a customer's, you know, even, even two neighbors might have different views and you might have to start to relate. How do I relate to these different customers in these different ways? And, and you do that by just listening and learning and constantly adjusting your products and services, um, which is a fun part. Once you get into it, it's really fun to explore and put things out there. And that, to most of us, that's what we want to be doing. But when we get there, we start to get freaked out by it and we get timid and we, uh, instead of trying some things, we, we kind of pull back. But, um, so, so I'm kind of wondering, Deborah, as in a, I've heard some of this, but I'm just guessing I probably only know a tidbit of what your experiences were. How, how does that flow with you? So that, that was a, a big struggle for me. I was so hesitant to launch that business because I was afraid if I put my business out there with half-baked services and my website, you know, wasn't very robust, people were going to remember that and it was going to um, impact the reputation of my business for the rest of my life. So I, I put all these high-stakes expectations on what would happen if I launched if everything wasn't perfect. And Dale, you really gave me a lot of encouragement. You said, just get your MVP out there, your minimal viable product. And I listened. So I got my website together. I spent $30 on a website, nothing fancy. And I had two products. I had a resume writing service and a LinkedIn service. And I launched those. And you know, I announced to the world, hey, I'm opening my business. And that first week I had orders come in and I was so surprised. I don't know why because people had been asking me for my help and I kept thinking, oh gosh, these services aren't perfect. They're gonna come back and complain about something and that didn't happen. They, they were very happy and they gave me feedback on services that I didn't offer that they wanted. So a bunch of people asked me, hey, can you do a cover letter service? And it never crossed my mind because realistically, employers don't read cover letters. So it's not something that I, I tell people to, to waste their time on. But people wanted me to write them co cover letters. Um, so by doing that kind of soft, half-baked launch, I was able to you know, make all of my products and services better so much faster. And now it's funny now that I, I'm, I mean, I'm only six months in, but now my idea, like I will just throw products out there and, and see how they do. I'm not hanging on to that perfectionist attitude anymore. It's also, you know, you've, you've done awesome in your business. So that's probably one of the 
keys is just trying things, listening to people. I mean, I, it, I tell you, in, in, you know, we all think it's, you know, business is a bunch of, you know, really super smart people, high educated. I mean, we have all these, these viewpoints, and, but we all know Bubba, you know, some joker running around and, you know, who, who has, has half of his teeth or something running around. And I mean, the classic guy running around in a dirty pickup truck and you realize he's just loaded because he's just such an awesome business guy. Um, and I don't know what the equivalent for a woman is, Bubette, but I don't know. But that just doesn't make sense. But um, but but we know that, and we know they're not necessarily. It's not about intelligence. It's not about intelligence in the terms of education, formal education. It's uh, it's it's just serving people, and just I mean, to me, that's the thing that's really got on got to me is this is just a service. You know, so businesses just serving people. And you serve them with products and services, and I and I remember struggling with this same thing, and um, and a friend of mine commented to me. He said, which which just rings in the back of my head. It made me mad, but he said, Dale, people can't buy from you what you don't sell. You know, and he was pushing me to put products on the market and do some things. And now, and I, you know, I, I, I kind of wanted to reach out and slap him because he was really pressuring me at the time. But I'm like, you know, that, that, that statement was just so, I couldn't fight it. I, it was just, you, you, if you don't, if you don't offer services to people, you can't help them. And that, that's really the really dangerous thing. And I'm thinking if you're really good, I mean, think of Deborah from the number of people that you've helped and you really have truly helped people. I mean, you know that, but you probably don't even understand the depth that you've helped them. You really don't know, and it'll probably take you a couple of years sometimes before you get feedback from these people to really understand that this has changed their life. And and I mean, that's one of the things I get from people all the time. And it's it's really and it's not me. I know it's not me, but I was there at a time offering some services and some products that changed their life. Now they did it. They, I can't take credit for that, and, and but I was there to help them when they needed it, and I provided what they needed. That's just the most awesome thing because we need stuff. We need people to help us, uh, and you have things that you can help people with, and uh, exploring with things that they need, listening to what they need, saying instead of your dogmatic view of this is what I'm selling. You know, it's it's adjusting. And a friend of mine started a uh, started a, a healthcare IT company, and I remember sitting down next to him. And, and this so this is a multi million dollar venture capital deal, but I remember sitting down next to him and him saying, "This is what I'm going to do." But as he engaged with the CEOs of the hospitals and the customers, he adjusted, and he realized that's not quite what they want. So he was in the same business, but he adjusted to serve what they really needed. And his company, you know, he sold it for a big chunk of money, and um, it, but, and he's a super super intelligent guy. But he had to kind of put his brain in check and just listen, adjust, try things, and and, uh, and and it works. Because you know the weird thing is, customers will tell you what they want. They are more than happy to tell you what they want if you just will listen. And I, I love. I remember Deborah tell. I remember you telling me about the cover letter because I, I I feel the same way. Who reads those stupid things? And I was so thrilled when you said nobody reads them because that's what I've been saying for years, and at least you agreed with me. Um, but 
but yet it was kind of weird to me that everybody was asking for them. Yeah. And um, something that's that's interesting what you said is so one of the things I was so concerned about is, you know, I charge for a service and I wanted to provide good customer service and I'm not perfect. You know, I, I make mistakes. But what I realized is if you treat your clients like you want to be treated and if you make a mistake, but you you fix it, they're going to be fine with that. No one has ever said, oh, you know, there was a typo in my resume that's unforgivable. You know, nothing like that. And when people and you told me this, Dale, it was so funny when people build that trust with you. So you provide a service to them that's valuable. They come back. So I, I had an executive where I wrote his resume and LinkedIn profile and he came back to me. He said, hey, can I pay you to do a Google search on me just to see if anything bad comes up? Because I'm looking for new jobs and the, my next employer might do a Google search on me. So, you know, I, it didn't take me very long and I'm like, Hey, just don't make your Facebook public. <laughs> but, you know, again, like you said, just listening to your customers, they give you a lot of clues um, on services that you can offer that are of value to other people. John people. Have you offered, is that a new product, a new service? <laughs> I haven't made that one widespread yet. Okay, good. That, I mean, that's, that's so obvious. I wouldn't have thought about it. <laughs> I mean, it, it, again, it sounds so simple. Why would they need you? But they probably do. Um, that's that's weird. And that and that's the thing that always gets to me is sometimes what people want is a lot simpler. I'm thinking complicated, busy, you know, and it's really a lot simpler. To me, it's a lot simpler than than uh, than you know. And you're thinking, why would anybody pay for that? But you know, look, we pay, and and we we can look at our own checkbook and our own checking account, and we probably should be asking ourselves the same thing. Why am I paying for that? This is so stupid because we do. I mean, remember in our society, the cool thing is money is not an issue. People got tons of money. And when we had the, when we had the video game business, my biggest lesson was uh, my partner wanted to put the video games in this really rough area of town. I mean, rough. I mean, the bars on the window. I mean, you know what I mean? And uh, so we go to this, and I'm, I'm telling, I said, you're just, you're an idiot. You're, there's no way. So we take this video game in there and all these kids, and it was basically in the projects, all these kids come flying out the door to play with quarters in hand that their mamas had sent them or their dads or whoever had sent them out with to play the video games. And it was like, and they were standing in line. Now, most of our video games were on college campuses and stuff like this, but these people were standing in line. And so we put it in there and put it in there and put it in there. We, I mean, we must have had 30 video games in this little big grocery store. And it was a you know hole in the wall. We made so much money in there. We had we carried weapons to I mean, it, it was crazy the amount of money we took out of this little store. And it was just lesson to me. And I'm, and I'm not recommending this as a methodology, but it was just lesson to me. People have money. They may use it poorly, but the money's out there. So if I offer a service to somebody that really needs it, like if I'm trying to help somebody in a poverty area, make a resume that's going to help move them out of poverty, they've got the money if they're if there's if they can make use of make good decisions with the money because you're going to help them to move forward. Because you can look and they probably have an iPhone, 
and they probably have cable TV or you know some they have a lot of luxury so if you can help them so money's not an issue and, and when you and that's hard for me to get at my head, head around when I deal with products and services I still struggle with that today and I think most of us do so but I don't want to belabor on that so let me get it let me get into the last point here is maybe the boring part but the part we all think about about a business is what I would call structure you know um, the all the things about setting up your corporate office, getting legal, doing, uh, doing uh, uh, business license, uh, you know, getting the logos made, you know, all the things we tend to think that we start with. Now, I I'm gonna be clear, there are some times when you start that you might need to do that. Like if you're gonna become a taxi driver in New York City, yeah, probably need to get a license. Their fine might be astronomical if for not, I don't know. But you know that's the kind of things you want to look for is some obvious things, or if you have a lot of wealth, you know you might want to do some things. Um, but generally speaking, these things come after revenue starts to come. Is just putting structure. And I'm just kind of wondering, Deborah, where are you in business structure and the back end stuff? So I waited too long to put more time into developing the structure. The business grew a lot faster than I had anticipated and I waited too long to get an accountant and screwed up some things myself. So um, what happened is I, uh, I went on job search radio and someone who was a, a representative that had a lot of contract money heard me on job search radio and then he picked up my book and he read it and then he contacted me um, about this contract worth $136,000. And I'm like, yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> but what I, what I didn't realize is, so I take this big contract and I still have other um, customers coming in, like private customers. And I didn't have anyone to help me. So, you know, I really fast, I went out there and I'm like, okay, I need to train two people to kind of take on the bulk of this work. I need to get help with this. I need to get help with that. So, you know, I started with a lot of manual processes because I was kind of doing that solo entrepreneur thing you you talked about earlier. Um, and now I, I am trying to, uh, you know, put more structure in because it's easy to get bogged down with all these little admin tasks. And it's taking away from me being able to work on the bigger picture stuff and grow the business. So, um, you know, we had talked probably two months ago is, uh, maybe get some virtual assistance, you know, take some of that work off so I can focus on other things instead of trying to do everything myself. I could say that everybody, that you were alone in this struggle and that everybody has it figured out better, but no, every, every, every business person, there, there's this, there's these, this, this chaos for clarity, you know, and, and, uh, but, but I, but I think that's kind of the fun of it is, is uh, there's never perfect timing. And just when you think it's perfect, it's too late. Uh, not too late, but it's clumsy. Um, but so, so, I mean, but that's the thing I kind of, the message I kind of want to get is, is this is not this perfect process, but it can be a really fast process. I think Deborah, you know, you're, you're clearly have moved very fast. I have, um, I have lots of people that have moved in three months, um, but there's some people that's just taken years to move along. Um, and, and I, and I kind of know why, I mean, this guy was wanting to speak to me the other day. 
uh, he was wanting to speak at an entrepreneur event I had and he's an entrepreneur and he was like I haven't made a profit in eight years I kind of know why I mean I won't get into that but uh, you know that's not what we want to do what we want to do is, is explore and move quickly quickly and swiftly uh, to do that um, so so I want to pitch now and in, 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 that you try something uh, and I'm, I mean this is all sincerity I think a person that's out there in corporate America should try to find a way uh, to earn 25% of your income off of the side business now I have lots of reasons for saying that but let me just say there's no such thing as job security I think most of you get that uh, anybody listening to that 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 anybody listening to this that thinks there's job security we, you probably have turned it off a long time ago because this does not relate to you but Getting getting something like that gives you tons and tons of leverage. Um, whether it's I want to be able to pay for weddings or colleges for kids or trips or vacation, or in Deborah's case, uh, a new home for her dog. You know, because she's a, she's she's a little bit of a dog lover. Uh, the uh, but uh, just get, get it. Whether it's that side money or you're looking for a path out. And uh, and and there's nothing. I know some people who have that just really want to be in. A friend of mine was, I, I remember so clearly sitting down for breakfast with him one day. He had a good sixty thousand dollar a year job. You know, he was, he was good job, but he was making three hundred and fifty thousand in his side job. And I remember asking him, "Why, Patrick? Why aren't you quit?" And he was like, "Well, I kind of like it this way." And Okay, you know, because uh, because his his day job got him out and about and doing some things. So it, it, we well, we all have each different things that we like doing. But if you're looking at starting a company, I mean, the things I'm telling you about uh, in, in, in Deborah's example, go back, try them. Um, but look, if you're if you need help, and I totally understand needing help, I've I've got the course building your own business that I'm offering right now. As a matter of fact, I'm doing more than that. Right now the course is, and there's a link, um, it's dalecallahan.com slash BYOB, building your own business. I will put that in the chat. Uh, I might have it right here. Let me see if I know what I'm doing. That probably is. Um, well, I don't know what, it looks like it just popped up on the side. Heck, I don't know if it did or not. Yeah. Um, what I'm going to do is um, is I'm going to you know there we go. I think that's it. Uh, but just in case I'm wrong, it's dalecallahan.com/slash/byob building your own business. Um, look, right now I've got a coach. I'm paying this guy to meet with me every week that's helping me through some some business type things uh, I mean I understand there's something about I don't care who you are we all have doubt we have indecision we need clarity and sometimes just working with other people gives us clarity and so uh, that's what we what we hope to do the course is going to walk you through the steps that we're talking about in detail in detail with little bit homework assignments along the way and, and it's kind of designed for the working person so that you can go off and do this while you have a job uh, and you can do it in like an hour, a couple hours a week, you know, at nighttime. And that's actually a blessing in many ways I won't get into right now. But, um, but so if you, if you're, if this course works for you, what we're doing before now in the first of August is we're also giving you the 90 day free, 
coaching group coaching that Deborah was involved in. Uh, so free. So it's it's now a $1,500 package. And so we're do, doing this free. Uh, and so you'll get in with groups. And it's awesome to be in groups. And I, I'm in a couple of them that I do because you get not only one person's you get multiple people's feedback that help you do that. And I know Deborah, that was a, I mean, you developed some really strong friendships off of the group. Oh yes. And, uh, and, and it's, it, it's awesome because you, you kind of come together and, and you don't know each other and you don't know who's doing what. And then suddenly you really start to value each other's opinion because you know, you, you, other people have different perspectives into your businesses and what you're trying to do, but I'm going to do something else right on top of this. Um, I mean, is is I created a video today that's and, and that's what this is saying, the five steps to start fast. Um, I've done this a few times and the video will tell you about it. If you if you sign up in the next 24 hours, I will give you this. Well, I will teach you how to start fast. This exact process of starting a business out of ether, I mean, literally out of nothing and generating cash very fast. I've done it three or four times, you know, that just to get a fast, enormous start. Uh, one time I generated uh, $2,000 immediately. Another time it was, you know, about 1300. Another time it was about 3000. I mean, all collectively I've done this. It's easy. It's a very simple process. You can almost do it, you know, today and tomorrow to generate cash. So it walks you through the steps. I know it works. Lots of people have started businesses doing this same process, but if you sign up, you know, in the next 24 hours, that will be yours in in in, uh, in addition. I can't I can't speak. But listen, this is a business venture. The whole point here is not for you to spend money. The whole point is for you to make money. If you cannot, if you're going to start a business in the amount of money, four hundred dollars and ninety seven four hundred and ninety seven dollars for the building your own business, if that if you're not planning on making that kind of money. Um, you probably don't need to be in business because you should, within a few months, you should have earned that 10 times over. Uh, and is that fair, Deborah? That that's doable. Oh yeah. So, uh, so I mean, but, but that's what, that's what I'm passionate about helping people get started and get moving and get past these things that we got in our head. And, um, and and getting people involved and engaged in these and so that's that's uh that's what I'm gonna put out there I'm on um, some people are asking me questions mostly over here in email oddly enough um, uh, that's unrelated Can I jump in really quick for one yes, thing while I'm reading my email please do um so I just want to for me, taking the course really, it really did change my life because I had a really great job, but I, I wasn't happy. I was trapped and I kept asking, hey, can I work remote? Because I had a job that I could work remote. And, you know, I got to work remote a couple of days a week when I was in my corporate job, but I realized that wasn't enough. I, I really wanted to be home with my dogs. And so, you know, that's what attracted me to this course. I was working full time. And I was working on starting this business in, in the evening in my free time. And I, I, it's funny, after launching my business and, and quitting my corporate job, I thought, oh, that's, that's, this is the biggest risk I have ever taken in my life. And 
I look at risk taking so differently now looking back at that that wasn't even a risk because you know I made probably 60 70 dollars an hour in my corporate job and now I'm between 125 and 150 dollars an hour because of my business model and I'm setting up so many passive income streams where I won't even be writing resumes eventually I'll just be having someone else do that and um, living off the passive income stream so looking at these past six months I've been so much happier and I just wish I would have done this sooner because if I would have done this two years ago when I wrote the resume book I probably would have been a, a lot farther I, I wouldn't have known Dale at that point so I'm glad I I got to meet you but I just you know it 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 seems it may seem like a risk and you may seem unsure but you can get a lot of clarity from doing the group coaching and you know having a business coach for me the money that I would spend 10 times that amount on the course looking back now. All right. Thanks so much for Deborah being here. Thumbo ended that. I know that kind of ended abruptly, but we had a previous recording and I cut it off before all the questions. It's already been long enough for this. So thanks so much for Deborah for being here. If you have any questions about this or what we're covering in this, it's in the Building Your Own Business course dellcallahan.com slash BYOB. Uh, also, there'll be a link to that in the show notes. But if you have any questions about your startup or what you're trying to accomplish, shoot me an email, post to me on Facebook. Facebook is just Facebook at dellcallahan.com. Wow. Just Facebook, Dale Callahan, you'll find me. Uh, and then uh, or just dale at dellcallahan.com. Thanks so much for listening. Great to be here with you.